Welcome to Do The Woo, episode 135. I'm your co-host, Jonathan Wold. Bob, are you staying cool? I am staying cool now. We are. We finally got out of what on the coast is the dreaded 90 degree, which is unusual for a big deal. This, this area. So we're back into the high 60s, which most people would say burr, but I'm loving it. So I'm happy. I am trying to do the same. I'm a little bit further east from you, and we've we're having some record highs over here. I'm enjoying uh, central air air conditioning right now. Cool. That's all that matters. We have a fantastic guest with us here today. Jacob Jacob Ariola is joining us. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be on from uh, sunny Southern California over here. Nice and uh, nice and warm as well. <laughs> you can enjoy our heat from a distance. Yeah, totally. Excellent. So Jacob, you have a lot of interest, a lot of, a lot of uh, things that you like to do. We're going to be talking quite a bit about headless and WooCommerce, but before that, I want to hear about your backyard farming. What's, uh, <laughs> what's the, what's the deal? What do you like to, what do you like to grow? Yeah. Um, I've always been interested in farming and gardening and urban farming, whatever you want to call it. Uh, started off small with the typical, you know, tomatoes and um, squash and stuff and uh, citrus trees. But these days, ever since, you know, pandemic uh, yeah. last year, kind of tuned that up a lot. So growing everything that we we eat, you know, my wife and I are vegan. So, um, oh, nice. so we grow everything we want to eat, um, eggplants, corns, berries, citrus, um, lots of peppers and stuff, you know, chilies, jalapenos and all that stuff. So um, really, really good stuff. Learning a lot about companion planting, right? Plants mm. that go well yep. with one another, help each other out. Yeah you know, bringing in the pollinator. So all that good stuff. It's definitely a nice way to get away from the uh, computer and pounding away in the keyboard to be out there in a, in the, in the kind of quasi nature for sure. What have you found the hardest to grow? Um, blueberries have been really hard. So it's, it's kind of understanding what zone you're in, you know, in the country. Right. And so finding the right things that are good for your temperature. Um, and so it's hard if you don't have irrigation set up and stuff like that. So, um, especially when we get into peak, uh, peak summer to keep things, you know, nice and moist. Mm, I'm on my way down there right now. I'm going to come out and sit in your, <laughs> sit in your land and eat. That sounds good to me. Gardens <laughs> are amazing. It's also just amazing what you can do with the space in general. And is it, is it, am I right in inferring that that's a, one of the the perks of being able to work from home is being able to have time. Yeah, totally. Because if, if you're having to drive commute somewhere, right, you, you may want to, you know, you may garden, you know, you may irrigate something in the morning. And if you come back eight, 10 hours later, um, you know, the sun has been hammering it all day. Whereas if you're home every, you know, every time you're taking a break and go out there and kind of adjust the shades, you know, apply water where you need clip stuff like that. So it's definitely uh, advantageous. I love it. Well, so before we jump into development topics, one of the things I'm really curious about. So, if I understand right, you you had a, like a business background before development. Yeah, totally. So, um, I actually had my MBA. So my my specialty was in uh, finance. So, in a perfect world, interesting. Yeah, in a perfect world, um, I should have been like in M and A mergers and acquisitions or private equity or something like that. But I graduated from B school right at like 2008 when the, the economy tanked. So all the finance jobs are just gone. Um, but I happened to, you know, in, 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 in school, we took some kind of, you know, tech classes and I got really attracted to the development side of things and just started doing it on my own for fun. Um, and it came so much fun where I decided, Hey, this is a, 
this would be a pretty good uh, gig, something to do for, for a living. And, you know, I just kind of learned on my own and just took off from there for sure. So I have to ask the question before Bob drops me as co-host. Uh, how do you do the woo? <laughs> Um, so I work for Zeek Interactive, right? Um, we are, um, you know, dev agency. We do a lot of WordPress stuff and WooCommerce stuff. Yep. Um, mainly what um, we do is a lot of, you know, custom WordPress WooCommerce themes for clients um, or plugins and stuff like that. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, the space that we're in, in terms of the, the WooCommerce side of things is uh, building out custom things for clients, uh, specifically in WooCommerce. Maybe some, maybe some ERP stuff too, but nice. Oh, nice. Yep. So with that, um, business initial background and then just transition to dev, like how long have you been in the WordPress slash WooCommerce space? I would imagine around seven or eight years, um, from kind of the first time I picked up WordPress to, to now give or take. Yeah. And did you do development in other languages or, um, or frameworks, et cetera, prior to that? Like, what was that? What did that path to WordPress look like once you decided to go down the development route? Yeah, I was doing some consulting work for a company and they were doing, um, they had a lot of like WordPress sites and stuff. And so that was my, besides just learning some of the basics of like HTML, CSS and JavaScript, that was my first introduction into like somewhat professional programming was, you know, um, WordPress. And so WordPress was my first kind of entry into programming. Um, and so it's, it's kind of been going on from there for sure in terms of, of development. Where, when did headless quote unquote first come onto the scene for you? When did you start first become aware of it? Start experimenting? I remember like in a WordCamp, oof, 2015, 16 maybe oh, i remember word camps i remember seeing like some <laughs> angular rest api right that's when angular was kind of coming into the the space and if anybody was wanting to kind of you know build out themes or something decoupled it felt like angular was the thing there and i looked at it i was like what is that <laughs> mm. and then it kind of just you know went away for a little bit in terms of you know part of our workflow at zeke we didn't really do anything with it and find any use cases um it wasn't until Two years ago, I remember Jason Ball listening to him on another podcast. Uh, he's the author and creator and maintainer of uh, WP GraphQL. Yep. Hearing that kind of brought Headless back into kind of play for me and, and reintroduced the topic in terms of exposing data uh, from WordPress via a GraphQL API. Okay. So I want to talk about Headless for a bit. I think at this point, most folks, if you're, if you're building with WooCommerce, it's something that you've come across in one way, shape, or form. And, and, and e-commerce is an interesting intersection, like application, right? That there's a, there's some interesting ramifications if you're going to consider headless. Can you kind of set it up for us, though? For those who have, maybe you've heard of it, but let's assume that some just don't know much about it other than hearing some of the terms. Like, what's what is this? What is headless? Like, what's, yeah. what does it encompass? What's it all about? I'll give you the way I understand it, right? There's a lot of different interpretations, uh, I think, maybe. So uh, WordPress, we take WordPress and WooCommerce as an example. That is a monolithic application, meaning it's, re it's responsible for a lot of things. It is your CMS, right? Your your admins, your shop owners log in and add content, add, you know, you've got media library, it's got products, it's got orders, et cetera. But it's also responsible for serving the front end, right? The public facing side of your application, right? The, the product catalog page, a single product page, the cart page so on and so forth, right? So it's doing a lot of things. Um, and so when you talk about headless, the head really represents that view layer, that, that UI layer, that public facing layer. Um, and so 
when we talk about what is headless, we kind of, when we cut off the head or we decouple the UI, now WordPress WooCommerce is no longer responsible for delivering the front end of the application. It's only responsible for being the CMS, which it's really, really good at, right? And then in the WooCommerce uh, case, all the logic you know, regarding uh, e-commerce variations, orders, all that stuff, database facilitation, payment gateways, things like that. Um, and so now your UI, you are now responsible for building UI in a different kind of context, whether that's a different domain, a whole different framework, whatever the case may be, right? So we separate that out the head, the, the view layer, the UI, what's publicly uh, available, publicly viewable to, to I think it's unfortunate that headless has become the popular term. I think decoupled uh, is maybe a, <laughs> it just headless evokes such negative imagery. So yeah, like, right. why, why would you want to cut off the head yeah it does i i think of the legend of sleepy hollow you know i i mean i i i just want to interject though jacob that is one of the best explanations so far i've heard of headless oh, i cool i've listened to a lot of explanations and a lot of people have lost me which doesn't take a lot for that but that was really good in fact i'm going to pull that out and i'm going to make a poster wow. and put it in my office and that way i'll be reminded of exactly what headless is according to jacob sweet, thank sweet. you <laughs> i think matt malwig has started uh, kind of trying to have people discuss it as decoupled right um instead of headless i think that's the yeah it's it's interesting I like that idea of thinking about WordPress because there is so many things that you get when you use WordPress, right? Like uh, you did a post recently where you were describing your approach to headless with WooCommerce and WooCommerce being another example of that. There is so much logic that gets worked out. Okay. So let me take, let, talk us through some of the positives and the, the, the trade-offs, the benefits and trade-offs of a decoupled approach. Oh boy, there's so many, right? It's all a use case, but um, yeah. I'll, I'll throw out things that come top of my, you know, top of mind. Um, the trade-offs, you know, one of the things I think that makes WooCommerce have such a low barrier to entries for a lot of builders is the add-on um, kind of uh, space. I mean, all the plugin, all the extensions. Yeah. You need Stripe. You need pay. You know, you need PayPal. There's a plugin. A lot of times, it's it's an official WooCommerce one. That's free, right? Um, you add it on, you're good to go. Um, but beyond that, a lot of functionality that starts expanding your shop, like a wish list, right? So all of a sudden, if you want to have wish lists uh, on your on your store, meaning if something's out of stock, hey, enter your email address. We'll email you when something's in, right? You, you as a shop owner, the builder, you you weren't responsible for building all that logic on the back end for, you know, building that form, taking in the form, the security behind taking in an email running cron jobs to ensure that, hey, this thing is back and go fire off emails. And so that's kind of one of the things. But when you go into headless, um, these third-party add-ons have no idea about your your headless application. They're assuming that you're in a traditional monolithic yeah. uh, non-headless state, right? They, they, they don't know that you're either using the REST API or the graphics. GraphQL API to consume data from WooCommerce to build it in a different framework, right? They presumed that you'd be using a traditional theme. Exactly. So now, depending on the level of complexity, right, you've got the UI um, layer to rebuild all that, but you also have to expose a lot of this data into the API. Now, if you're using something like REST, a lot of plugins now have kind of exposed their stuff into REST, but something like GraphQL... Uh, it's pretty kind of, you know, bleeding edge stuff. Um, so I haven't come across a plugin that's quite yet, you know, has a GraphQL kind of layer to their plugin as well for data. So one of the trade-offs, it sounds like, is if, if you if you rely heavily on extensions within the WooCommerce context, 
you have to check and make sure that those extensions have support or there's a there's an approach to support for the functionality. Otherwise, you're basically going to have to recreate key aspects of that functionality if you can use it at all. Yep. Maybe, maybe we'll start with the positive <laughs> on the, because we can, like, I think there's some important things to consider on the trade-off side of things. And that leads to some of the different potential hybrid approaches that you might take, right? But on the, like, why, why would you want to go down this path to begin with? What are, Talk us through some of the benefits of using a decoupled application. Performance, right? Site speed, right? That's, that's one thing that, that, sticks out. Um, and now with you know, a lot of the lighthouse changes or the, the SEO algorithm changes that may affect your SEO, how fast Google perceives your, your, your site and stuff like that. So because you um, traditionally, you know, WordPress, you know, in a normal state and a monolithic state is responsible for everything, being the CMS, talking to the database and also serving the site. Um, you know, it's, it's in the past, we found that, you know, even if we're doing all kinds of optimizations of page caching, object caching, all kinds of things. Um, we still found that there were performance limitations, right? In terms of how fast the site is and feels to the user, right? So one um, advantage of potentially decoupling it is now you're going to be able to use a different framework, um, something like Gatsby.js or Next.js, which is built to be fast, right? So you're you're going to start using a performant framework to deliver the UI and the experience to the user, right? So that's one thing in terms of the advantage of going decoupled headless is performance. Um, another one and in, in projects that we take a look at is UI flexibility. Okay. Um, so if if your client or your in-house, you know, you want to start really kind of breaking apart the the kind of off-the-shelf designs that you know. WooCommerce gives you, um, especially with a lot of the kind of like single product pages and the archive pages, right? Yep. The API of WooCommerce with, with the whole hook system allows you to really start breaking it up, but it's a double-edged sword, uh, meaning the more and more you start customizing, the upgrade path becomes more and more difficult, right? Because now you got to worry about, like, oh, you know, and, and WooCommerce does a great job of documenting, hey, we've changed this filter, we've updated this template, and, and you can see. Yes. But now you've really kind of stretched out, you know, um, a lot of the the, the PHP templates of, of customizing the layout. Whereas in a headless state, you've got a blank, blank canvas, right? You build out your UI however you want. Right, all you're getting, you're consuming your data from WooCommerce. Right now, it's a matter of great. How do you want your single product page to look? Um, do you want whatever the, the add to cart on the top left and in a fixed position and all this stuff? Um, so it's an easier state that way. Now that's also double edged sword, sword, right? Because you're having to like as long as you have the resources available to you, you can do quote unquote whatever you want. So there's um, there's the performance mm -hmm. benefit. There's the sort of creative flexibility, which is double edged, mm -hmm. but in the right setup and context, that's that's fantastic. You can really build some unique applications and still have that WordPress WooCommerce connection. And are there any other particular benefits that stand out to you? I think in a developer experience uh, perspective yeah. too, right? I'm more of a JavaScript developer than a PHP developer, a WordPress developer. So I prefer, especially when I'm doing UIs to... Um, you know, use JavaScript. Um, and if we're doing a lot of heavy state management, meaning what attribute has been chosen based on that, do we have a variation, show a modal if we click on this, all kinds of, you know, UI state management. If we're looking at a filter on, on a product catalog page, you know, um, managing all that state, I prefer something like React rather than dealing with something like, you know, inside of a WordPress template of jQuery and just kind of a bunch of JavaScript split around. So the developer experience for me um, is another kind of pro in terms of, you know, working in a decoupled state. 
one of the other things that stands out to me is the potential for like multi-application experiences, right? Where you can have a web application, you can also have a native application and WordPress can still be at the heart of multiple things, right? You can use the APIs. Have you had any experience with that? Yeah, totally. So the project that we recently did, um, rudis.com, uh, um, that's a decoupled WooCommerce um, site application. Um, and the nice thing is, yes, the web app now consumes the data from WordPress, but down the line, um, we're in the process of building a native app. And so we've kind of already set the stage um, for the API to, you know, be able to provide data um, to all kinds of other, you know, consumers of that, um, whether that's a full on or maybe just needs products, right? Yep. Um, things like that. So you're kind of setting the stage for WordPress to just be the data store, um, right? Yes. And management. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and when you think about, I love thinking about WordPress as an operating system. And when you think about it that way, it's like it, it's, we're opening up because ultimately, when you think about building on the open web, you want to have that flexibility to be able to build experiences for any number of endpoints, if you will, yeah. and and take advantage of maybe what proprietary platforms can offer by building custom applications for that, yet still having an open source thing at the heart of it that's yours. And I think that's one of the things that the decoupling movement set of opportunities like opens up in terms of opportunities. Like you can keep WordPress right at the heart. And have that flexibility to be able, like when I started playing with GraphQL for the first time, I remember feeling some of that same magic I felt when I started with WordPress for the first time where it's like, oh, wow, like I can, like, it just opens up possibilities. So it's like, you see those possibilities, you're, you're (laughs) the wheel starts spinning. Right. (laughs) And it's like, man, I can get that data out in this way and it's fast and it's efficient. And wow. Like that really gives me things that just weren't readily possible before. Yeah. One of the other things too, Jonathan, is about, you know, one of the pros and positives is the resources on your WordPress server, WordPress WooCommerce server, right? Ah, yes. Okay. Right now, because if you're in a typical, you know, off the shelf WordPress site uh, application, WooCommerce application, um, your server is, you know, obviously responsible for for serving visitors and handling traffic and stuff like that. Um, and it's also responsible. Maybe there's third parties. Maybe you have an ERP inventory system that's hitting your mm-hmm. your WooCommerce site as well. And you've got editors going in there and updating stuff. So there's a lot happening, right? And so if you have spikes of traffic, i.e., Black Friday, right, or you know, marketing emails that are going out, you know, Tuesday afternoon uh, for a product launch, um, the server all of a sudden is going to be responsible for a lot, a lot more resources. Um, and so, yes, and so like. If, if, you know, if you're not a DevOps pro, like how much RAM should you be having? Should you be upping it? When should you, are you, are you kind of just responding to kind of spikes? If now you're in a decoupled state, right? Something like Gatsby or Next where, you know, all those pages are built ahead of time. They're, they're slapped on a CDN somewhere across the globe. So if someone's coming from yep. South Korea, they're getting that HTML file from a local data center. Um, and you're really only reaching to WordPress for certain things, maybe the add to cart, maybe an inventory check, right? Yeah. But for when someone lands on the homepage, yeah. So when someone lands on the homepage or a product page, um, WordPress is is not part of the picture, right? It's just it's an, it's a CDN. So the the likelihood of outages decreases theoretically, um, and so that's that's definitely a pro in that regard. Hey, Bob W. Pierre, and I'd like to take a moment to thank two of our pod friends for their support of Do the Woo. Need to help your clients create optimized sales funnels using their WooCommerce shop? 
ClickFunnels gives you and your clients all the tools needed to create high converting funnels using WooCommerce. And to add to that, their CRM lets you create broadcasts and automated workflows with unlimited contacts. Because in the end, it's not just building the shop, but building sales and a solid customer base. Visit buildwoofunnels.com to learn more. As a builder, you know the challenges of swimming in a sea of plugins. Whether it's for WordPress or specifically for your WooCommerce shop. And whether you are building sites for clients or simply giving them some direction, the essential guide to WordPress plugins from Nexus is your go-to resource. It will help you or your clients discover the top WordPress plugins, how to vet those plugins, and most importantly, create a plugin strategy. So why not extend your client sites with a guided hand and save time with this ebook? Just go to go.nexus.net slash do the boo to download the guide. So thanks WooFunnels and Nexus, and let's head back to the show. As the complexity of applications increases, that's part of what we're talking about here, right? Like WordPress, we're doing a lot more with WordPress than we were doing a decade ago, certainly. And it, it opens up that much more possibility because Rudis.com, I think, is actually a great example. It's fast. It's a, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fairly complex. There's a lot going on there. Uh, and maybe talk us through the approach that you ended up taking with like that hybrid approach of how you use WooCommerce. Like talk us through that. Yeah. So Rudis.com, they're a wrestling apparel, just a sports apparel site. They sell, you know, you know, shoes and t-shirts and stuff like that. We've got a hybrid approach in terms of it's a Gatsby application. Uh, Gatsby is a React yep. static site framework. Um, not to get too into the weeds on that, um, but it's it's Gatsby in terms of serving the site. In terms of it being a hybrid, right? There are certain times when we're reaching to WooCommerce to do certain things, right? It's not just a static site. Um, there are mostly static assets, but there are certain times when we reach out to WooCommerce at runtime, meaning when someone visits the site and needs to do something on the fly. For instance, yep. uh, when you select a product's attributes, uh, we need to check whether it's in stock, right? And show something to the UI and say, yeah, this is in stock or only one left or uh, out of stock, whatever. Um, that's a request out to, to WordPress, right? At runtime, right? That's kind of a hybrid approach. Yep. And something like add to cart, right? So when someone wants to click that button and add to cart, the request is made out at runtime, right? Uh, on the fly out to WordPress and, and WooCommerce does its thing in terms of sessions and all that stuff and sends us back the cart. But one of the one of the things that we were kind of not stuck on, but you know, discussing as as a group internally in terms of what to do was checkout, right? Mm-hmm. And I wrote a blog post about this too, just a couple of days ago, in terms of like how we handle checkout and how I like to handle checkout with with headless is checkout, depending on the complexity of your store, can be really complex, right? That that's the final like stage in the sales funnel, right? Yep. So you can have multiple payment gateways, right? You can have you know, PayPal standard, Amazon, Amazon uh, payments and PayPal pro, whatever the case, right. You have, you, yeah, you have third-party plugins hooked in, hooking into checkout. Maybe you want to add someone as a subscriber to your site or. Yeah. You could be using Apple pay. Like there's any number of things. Yeah. It goes on and on. Right. So do you want, because you're in a headless state as a developer, do you want to take that on and have to rebuild all that functionality? 
um, and support all those things. Um, not to mention form validation, like form validation is really, really hard, right? Like, did you enter the right credit card number or you're missing a required stuff like that. Right. So what we decided was to take on a hybrid approach for checkout is when someone actually clicks on proceed to checkout from the cart page, instead of, you know, react, taking care of that, uh, we send them over to the native WordPress WooCommerce site. Right. And we send along the session ID, um, to WordPress. And then we have some, and you can look at the blog post, we have some hooks that listen in, whether that's present and loads the correct session. Um, and then now you're normal and kind of good to go in terms of all that normal WooCommerce stuff. I'm curious about it. So in, in playing with Rudis, it like it feels seamless, right? Like you can, if you have to be paying a lot of attention to, to notice a difference. If you think, zoom forward into the future a couple of years, what what's your instinct? Like ultimately in terms of performance and everything. Is it, is it going to be better to have all of that stuff sitting in the single application or do you see like that, the, that side of things just getting better where it's like, yeah, we're just going to, this is going to continue to be the approach. Like it makes sense today. What's your instinct about a few years from now? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I don't, it seems like the, you know, the WooCommerce team, the automatic team is focused on a lot of on the block side of things, right? Um, that seems to be the initiative, um, just kind of looking from afar um, and not necessarily, um, you know, headless or exposing the API and things like that. So I, I don't know. I know for now that's the right decision. And I think as developers, we're nimble enough to pivot where we need to. Yep. Um, and I think there's just a ton of resources to be able to do that. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because like like it is complex, and one of the things that WooCommerce gives you is that vast ecosystem of extensions and like all that that entails, right? So either there ends up being a path where those extensions can readily like make themselves like best practices standards, and they can readily make themselves available to things like GraphQL, or like that hybrid continues to be the approach where. Uh, it just, we're just going to, you know, the blocks gets us closer there in terms of being more JavaScript centric and that flexibility, um, or you end up having a lot of that end up being recreated in frameworks like Gatsby. I'm curious to see how that develops. It feels like a middle ground approach is probably the ideal where these frameworks, these extensions become more and more aware of decoupling applications and use cases and anticipate that. What are your thoughts? I think that you know the developers are kind of going to help drive that kind of uh, through opening up issues to discussions and stuff like that. Um, asking for more and more of those things, you know, even plugins. Um, you know, if developers are going to start asking for things like, "Hey, where's you know where's the data in the GraphQL API?" Right, you're going to start seeing uh, plugin authors now expose that stuff over to um, yep. to the APIs and stuff like that. Um, but kind of going back to checkout too, like if you look at other platforms for checkout, usually there's that concept of like a hosted checkout, right? Um, yeah. Where if you're paying attention, like you said, Jonathan, to the URL and what's really happening, when you click on checkout, that URL is, you know, going to be a little different. It's going to be like, you know, secure.checkout slash whatever, right? And um, so it's kind of a known thing. It feels like that's the pattern um, for that, but yeah. It's complex enough of a thing that it's typically like, yeah, we're going to leave this on yeah. its own and it's going to be a, and, and I wonder if it's more like, this is, this is what we can do today, which is my, my instinct is that is the case. So it's like, that's, that's the last frontier in terms of complexity. So yeah, we're going to leave it alone. I think too, like WordPress as a whole is obviously paying more attention to performance, right? I, I think. Rec- yes. Which is fantastic. Yeah. I think recently like 
to give you a contrived example, like just the the lazy loading attribute was added to image tags, right? What was that, like five, six or five, seven, I forget. Um, and so you're seeing those things, you know, it's not gonna, WordPress isn't gonna move right away and like respond to things so quickly, but you're starting to see things like that start trickling in. Um, and so it's not to say that, you know, WordPress as a whole as a framework isn't going to adopt adapt rather. Um, but I think right now for, for certain, you know, use cases, uh, decoupled is still a great solution, especially with a lot of the tools and resources out there to kind of implement these things. Especially when you can, when there's clear paths towards hybrid approaches where it's needed, right? Yeah. Like you can, you can, you can have all the benefits of the decoupled approach and mitigate those trade-offs by using like checkout hosted by WordPress, like, and which, you know, significantly reduces the draw on your application. Yeah. Um, I think too, like the responsibility when you're in decoupled headless mode uh, now falls more so on the developer than on the framework, um, on the UI, on the UI, for instance, right? Okay. If you're in normal WooCommerce land, right? Like maybe you're building a theme, but you're not really changing core logic of things like add to cart and variations and you know attributes and all that stuff and slideshow whereas if you're building your your ui from scratch right now the the burden is on you the developer because you you've built that yes you're getting data and you're you're sending mutations over to woocommerce and and it's handling that Mm. but there are bugs that you didn't know that existed um that kind of woocommerce takes care of for you right so you lose a lot of that um i'll give you an example like um recently on on rudis there was a bug where um if you had something in your cart and you just you left right and you eventually came back right the session is still there so the next time you you know load the site it says oh yeah you've got 10 things right but it so happened that one of the products that was in my cart when I put it in my cart was published, but then after the fact, when it requested again, was in draft status or something like that, or like deleted. Um, And so that just like borked the site, (laughs) right? Those are just weird edge cases that, you know, as if you're a normal WooCommerce line, like, you know, WooCommerce has thought of those things and has, you know, it's it's gone through the the ringer on those things. Um, And so depending on the size of your team, you may not know about that. You, you, you kind of overlook that if you will. Right. And taking it for granted. Um, so those are the things to be aware of, but, but, um, if you're using stuff like, um, you know, TypeScript and testing and to end tests and unit tests, you can try to plan as much as you can uh, ahead of that. Um, and that's the cool thing too, for me, for a project like that was I had heard a lot of these really cool things out there. Um, but I wasn't really, you know, in a position to use them based on just kind of use cases and stuff like that. Like I wasn't able to write TypeScript in a, in a, um, in a WordPress theme, right. That just wasn't, you know, really a thing. Right. But in something like, you know, Gatsby, I can write, you know, TypeScript, um, that helps me not to get on a tangent on TypeScript, but that can help me like address bugs, um, earlier on than I would have if I was just using native JavaScript. Um, I could write a lot of unit tests. I can do a lot of really cool um, end-to-end testing, for instance. Um, so if you're using, so the, the host we use is Netlify for, for headless applications. Um, and the cool thing they have is every time you have a PR, right, you want to make a change. Um, and it runs a new build based on those those changes and it has a publicly accessible URL and you can point send that to the client, like here's the changes and you're good to go, right? The nice thing is you can tie in your end-to-end tests um, with that PR. So once the once the site is built, 
um, based on that new state of changes, um, you can trigger an end-to-end -end test, meaning, hey, robot, go through the thing, go to this page, click on this attribute, right? Try it, yeah. Click add to cart, yep. go through the whole shopping experience, go to checkout, and does that work, right? That's just, you know, one case. There's all these different, you know, assertions that 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 I have running. Um, and so that makes me feel a lot better in terms of catching bugs, addressing issues, because a lot of these really cool tests I was able to write that I really couldn't write to the extent. What percentage of those tests and uh, assertions, if you will, did you have to come up with versus like you went to a stand, like, oh, these are some standard ones in, our, in this particular type of application? It was pretty much from scratch. Like everything that, you know, you're building like, hmm. I didn't, you know, it's one of those, like, when do you need to write a test situations, right? Once I start having to repeat something over and over and over, like after I deploy something, that's usually the sign, like I need to like write a test for this. Yep. It's interesting because one of the things that, uh, that you're, that we're touching on here is that you don't, we don't know what we don't know. And this is a general thing that's like someone like, ah, WordPress or WooCommerce, like, and he's like, well, what you don't realize is how, just how much has gone into it. And sometimes it's like, oh, I don't want this monolithic application because it's like, well, there's a lot that it's actually doing. And there's a tension there, right? Because yes, you cut it all out, you can get a lot faster. And, and it's like, well, but sometimes then you get into these situations where if you're not asking questions and if you're not like really looking and thinking about that experience, you could end up saying, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna make a decision here with the UI that seems, this seems right. We're going to do this instead. And A, you might end up introducing new things that are confusing to folks where it's like, well, why did you do that? But B, in even attempting to mimic a certain, certain thing, if you don't understand it fully, uh, you mentioned form validation. That's a great example of a thing that you really do not want to recreate if you can avoid it. It's like, oh, it's fine. I'll do some form validation. Like, well... <laughs> Really? <laughs> like he <laughs> WooCommerce has been through the ringer, right? There's been so many eyes yes. in terms of UI layer, not even talk about the the e-commerce logic. Yes, yes. Right. The UI has been there's so many sets of eyes on it, it goes through so many tests. And and so you're right. You don't you take for granted what what's involved in that until you start doing it yourself. All that's to say, yes, innovate and like and take the blank canvas approach where it makes sense because that we want to see those things. Just don't throw, just don't uh, disregard. Right now, so I'm curious. So you're you're talking about some fairly technical things, right? Like dealing with end-to-end -end testing, dealing with uh, TypeScript. For someone who is feeling that okay, I'd like to get into this stuff. I'd like to play with decoupling, but maybe they have a more traditional like, PHP background. How would you guide someone to start? Like, how can you kind of, how would you, in terms of making all this accessible or a, a ramping path, if it if it exists? How would you guide someone to start? That's interesting. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I definitely consider myself a JavaScript developer. So the the decoupled UI I would use to build it would be JavaScript, right? So yep. if someone were to ask me, hey, I want to do headless, my first assumption is you're going to do it in JavaScript. But if you want to do it in PHP, if that's if if you don't want to learn JavaScript to that extent to be able to build a full-on application in JavaScript, right? Maybe you you know enough JavaScript to do, you know, a little UI sprinkling here and there, right? Just because, you know, we're headless doesn't necessarily mean you have to do it in JavaScript. 
WooCommerce is exposing that data to you, right? It's up to you how you want to consume it and where you want to consume it. So maybe you're a PHP developer and your 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 flavor is Laravel, right? And so maybe yep. maybe all right, well fine, you're just going to consume that in your decoupled Laravel application um, and build out your store that way, right? Um, and maybe you feel comfortable in that stack because you're a PHP developer. Um, so it's important to to know that decoupled doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a JavaScript TypeScript developer, right? You could still stay in your flavor. Um, maybe you're a Go developer, I don't know. Um, or I know there's some people that use like GraphQL inside of WordPress, which is uh, interesting. I haven't explored that. It is interesting, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe they like that rather than doing like the WP query class, I don't know. If you haven't learned the WP query class, like it can be, that's a pretty intimidating thing if you don't have a, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. It is interesting though to see GraphQL in, in context with it. Yeah, I would. I would definitely. You know, if someone is definitely still looking into, you know, going into like the JavaScript side of things, I think the WP GraphQL Slack community is is a great community. Um, you go through like the WP GraphQL site, and I think there's like a link on. Um, there's where you're going asking questions. Jason Ball and the maintainers are really good about answering questions and you know getting people started. Um, and so I, I think those are great resources for sure. WP GraphQL is a great example of like an ecosystem that's right in the middle. That's at the intersection of obviously WordPress, the PHP application and GraphQL, which is predominantly JavaScript in, in terms of like how it's used. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's fantastic. And Bob, you did an episode with uh, Jeff Taylor, who's the maintainer of the Woo GraphQL extension. That wasn't too long ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was the yeah that was a a little while ago and stuff and maybe we can drop a link in the notes. Yeah, I'll make sure and do that, and we'll also if you want to listen to it, we'll put that link in as well. So I do have one more question before we go, and with all that's been said, going back to that developer that just starting into headless and looking at it and maybe dabbling in it, they have a client come to them. And this one client says, hey, I want headless. You know, maybe they, I don't know, maybe you told them to tell them that. Whatever the case, however they made that decision, yeah, we're going to have you help us along the way. We're going to get this all figured out. But then you have another client that says they want that and say, we want headless or some hybrid. They think they understand it. And they say, but then we want you to hand the whole thing to us. We're going to take and run with it. We like to get in there. Our developers like to get in there and do stuff. Does that approach make any difference, you knowing whether they are going to be more hands-off or they're going to be more hands-on with what you've done with their site? Headless doesn't change the game in terms of you've built something, it's sitting in some kind of repository, and now the client wants to take over and write code because it's still it's still code. The game doesn't change in that regard, right? Um what may change in terms of you know expectations? Well, I mean, there's a lot that's going to change, but one thing that's going to change that is important to think about is I think WordPress or WooCommerce wasn't built to be like headless, right? So it doesn't have that in design. So you're not always fighting the the framework, um, but you're trying to find ways and swim through like trying to figure things out, um, like the handing off checkout to WordPress, right? That isn't like a button that you press and say, turn on, you know, hosted checkout for me. You've got to, you know, figure that out and solve that problem. Um, and so that's the important thing to, to keep in mind in terms of now we're, we're talking to clients is, you know, it wasn't built, you know, with that in mind. So there's a lot of, you know, things that we need to do to kind of address certain situations to make it work. 
extensions are another good example of that, where they're like, oh, well, you can't just install an extension for this application. It's not going to just work out of the box in, in most cases. Yeah. Things like previews too, right? Like if you're, if you're, yeah, if you're oh. <laughs> authentication previews, like how are you handling auth, right? Are you doing um, a JSON web token? Are you trying to do cookie auth, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so in WordPress, WooCommerce line, auth just works, right? Like we don't think about that. You add users and the last thing, you know, WordPress, WooCommerce developers are thinking about is, you know, what's my auth strategy going to be? Whereas now you have to, uh, if you're decoupled, you have to start thinking about, okay, what is my auth strategy and, and how am I going to do it? Yes, there are resources out there. There's a, you know, JSON web token, GraphQL option. You can do, um, what's the uh, WordPress application passwords, right? Um, mm. So, but now there are decisions that need to be made, right? And, and reasons why you're making the decisions. Um, and so that's the important thing to understand is, you know, WordPress WooCommerce it wasn't made with that intention in mind. And so there's some thought that needs to be made behind it. Um, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. As long as you're walking in and you manage those expectations um, with developers and with clients. Excellent. As we move towards wrapping up, we've got a couple more questions for you. So within the context of WooCommerce itself, what are some of the things that you're looking forward to about WooCommerce and perhaps the ecosystem as a whole? Um, I think just host a checkout <laughs> for sure. Uh, I'm curious about blocks, right? Like uh, right now, if I'm doing headless blocks to me and headless are just, they're really hard. Um, and, you know, you're, you're dealing with just a whole nother set of, of issues. Um, so I'm curious, I know there's the store, is it the store API that's kind of, you know, in development? Mm. Um, I forget what the API is. That's the API that WooCommerce blocks are using to build out blocks, right? Okay. Um, it's a publicly accessible one, but it's it's like pre 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 release kind of thing, and it's going to break. Um, but it's it's a API that has things like um, cart and stuff like that. So I'm curious as to how that API is going to evolve and whether they're going to keep it public and how I can hook into it um, for kind of WooCommerce shops um, for sure. And in considering the future of WooCommerce, and it was particularly within this context of decoupled applications, are there any things that, anything that you're concerned about? I'm concerned about, so like the WooGraphQL plugin, right? It's Jeff, he's the, you know, it's an open source, but it's Jeff, he's the one that's kind of creating and he created and maintained it. So, you know, support and resources behind his efforts are important um, via sponsorships and things like that so that he can, you know, give it the attention that it needs because, you know, he's got a full-time job. And so this isn't his thing. Um, you know, the community tries to contribute, but you know, there's a lot involved, you know, obviously it's e-commerce. Um, and so that's one thing that kind of stands out to me. If anybody's listening to this you just go to that, um, we'll grab you and offer support, um, whether that's PR or whether that's monetary support as well. Excellent. Any, any final thoughts in terms of guidance for builders who are interested in headless? I think looking at examples is a great place to start. Any, anything else that, uh, that you'd offer in terms of giving them inspiration or helping them you know, take action? I think, you know, once you get into that Slack channel, you'll start getting access to a bunch of like starter, starter templates and stuff like that. And once you do that, start building things and sharing them with everybody and writing blog posts about it, because the more, the more and more developers do that, the more we're going to learn from one another and start driving that conversation um, to really start, you know, evolving this thing even more. I love that. And your blog is a great example of that. Um, you, and I just, in general, I think I'm glad you brought that up for so many of us 
writing about your experiences, even as you're working it out, right? It doesn't have to be that you figured it out. It's like, hey, here's my current state. This is as far as I got. That's a, just a powerful way to get your thoughts out there to contribute to, to the broader work that's happening. And I found, at least for me personally, and I'm sure you found the same, that that process of writing and knowing that you're going to do that often helps clarify things as you're going. Oh, totally. Like, you know, it's important. I, I forgot who I, I met, you know, uh, kind of one of my mentors early on. I, I saw the problem and his first response was, did you write about it? Did you write a blog post about it? Right. Like just put it out there. Like you're going to, it's going to help you, but it's also going to help other people. And then you're going to be able to connect to other people and so on and so forth. Yes. Yeah. Jacob, if folks are interested in learning more about you, following what you're doing, where, where, where should they go? Uh, Twitter is the best place, Jacob Ariola. Um, and then from there we can chat and all that stuff. I try to, you know, like we said, post as much as I can in terms of my blog and things that I'm working on. So Twitter's for sure. Excellent. Bob, back to you. All I'm going to say is, oh my God, I did it. <laughs> you know, now you, Jacob, you can now put on your resume. I helped Bob understand headless and people will think, oh my, you know, if he can do that, then he can do anything. Don't sell yourself so short, Bob. I, I, <laughs> I'll take it as a compliment though. <laughs> no, this was excellent. Uh, incredible conversation. I know I let Jonathan run with it and a lot of, a lot of good stuff. So we know where to connect with you. I'd just like to thank our pod friends, Woo Funnels and Nexus for their continued support. Uh, you can find buildwoofunnels.com and nexus.net. Love my pod friends. Love all my friends. Love having great guests like you on it. Again, thank you for coming to the show. 